Nevertheless, the Lord had put on my heart uh, to uh, speak to you a little bit about something that you hear every week at the close of a service. It is uh, a blessing that we give, and uh, I'm not alone in that. There's a lot of uh, pastors and, uh, and rabbis that uh, give this blessing at the end of their services, uh, and it is the blessing that is found in Numbers chapter 6. But I, I wanted to come into a new year with the understanding of the importance of the blessing that God is actually giving to us in that particular prayer and blessing. And I don't want us ever to take it for granted or, or, or just have it something that we listen to and, and not understand. And, and, if we're, and if you all are good boys and girls, we'll sing it at the end. How's that? How, how, does that sound okay? All right. Very good. So let's turn to Numbers chapter 6. And I'm going to be re begin reading in verses 22 through the end, which is verse 27. And of course, I've entitled this uh, study, The Lord Bless Thee. And uh, verse 22 begins, And the Lord spake unto Moses. Now, now get what's happening here. The Lord spake unto Moses saying, Speak unto Aaron and unto his sons, the priests, by the way, this is the priestly line, Speak unto Aaron and unto his sons, saying, On this wise, in other words, this is how you are to bless the children of Israel, saying unto them, The Lord bless thee and keep thee. The Lord make his face shine upon thee and be gracious unto thee. The Lord lift up his countenance upon thee and give thee peace. And they shall put my name upon the children of Israel and I will bless them. Did you catch something there? The Lord said to Moses, tell Aaron and his sons that this is how he's, they are to bless. This is a God-ordained prayer. This is a God-written prayer, the only one actually in the Bible. Now, some would argue that uh, the Lord's Prayer uh, that Jesus gave is, is, is also written prayer, but, but we remember that Jesus said, in this manner you should pray. The difference is here, he says, bless them this way exactly with the words that God himself gives. Isn't that a beautiful thought? All right. So, in David H. Stern's Messianic Jewish translation of the Old and New Testaments of the Bible, called simply enough, the complete Jewish Bible, he has translated this passage using both the Hebrew transliteration with the English. And I want you to see this for a couple of reasons. The first phrase, because there's three stanzas in this particular blessing. The first phrase, and by the way, this is in his translation, written both in Hebrew, well, the transliteration of Hebrew in English letters, and also the English uh, translation. I want you to notice there's three words there, only. May Adonai bless you and keep you. Understand that the word Adonai is Lord. It would be for us in English, Lord with a capital L and then little O-R-D. Because they consider the name of God, which this is supposed to be the name of God, as too holy to pronounce. Uh, we oftentimes say it's Jehovah or, or, or Yahweh or some other form of that, of that sort. Uh, the, the, uh, um, the Tetragrammaton, which is Y-H-W-H, you know, uh, but uh, here, so they use the word Adonai. Uh, sometimes they will say Hashem because Hashem means the name. So it says, may Adonai bless you and keep you. The next phrase is, Ya'er Adonai panavelecha vikuneka. May Adonai make his face shine on you and show you his favor. The third phrase, and by the way, in that last one, there were five words. This is important, and we'll see that later. Three words in the first phrase, five words in the second phrase, and now in the third phrase, seven words. Yisa Adonai panavelecha v'yasem lecha shalom. 
May Adonai lift up his face toward you and give you peace. Three, five, and seven. So now as we have now entered into this, this new year, follow, following a very turbulent, turbulent year to say the least, and uh, entering one that may prove to be even more tempestuous as we see the day of, of Jesus Christ approaching, that it would, it would certainly encourage our hearts to know and to understand that a blessing that we hear after each and every service that we have here has a, a tremendous message for us uh, from the Lord himself. It is called in Hebrew, Birkat Kohanim. Birkat Kohanim means the priestly blessing. Birkat is blessing, Kohanim is uh, priests or the priestly blessing. It's also called the Aaronic uh, blessing after Aaron because Moses was to tell Aaron and then Aaron and his sons. Who are all the priests? There was the priestly line of, of the uh, tribe of Levi or Levi. So the first thing that we need to know about this blessing, and I've already mentioned it to it because I got too excited to have to tell you early on, and that is that, that it is a God-ordained blessing. The words come from God himself to be given both as a prayer and a blessing upon his people and to be given to his people through the sons and descendants of Aaron. They are the Kohanim. Kohen is, is a name that is oftentimes, a, 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 we see it in, in, in modern uh, Kohen or Kohan or whatever, uh, Khan even, or C-O-H-N or C-A-H-N. Uh, is, is, is tied to that line of the priest, though that would have to be confirmed by DNA later because uh, that's, that's coming. There's going to be a priesthood, actually, uh, once again in Israel. But uh, it is to be given to his people through the sons and descendants of Aaron who are but the means of transmitting God's gracious will and blessing upon the people. In other words, it is God through them to the people. They're just the conduit, as it were. But the question that we want to ask as we begin our study of this blessing is, what is a blessing? Have you ever asked that question? What is a blessing? Well, it's very easy for us to take for granted the blessings that even we ourselves are to give, even as instructed by the Lord Jesus himself, as he did in the Gospel of Luke, in Luke 6, verses 27 and 28, when he says to his disciples and all of his listeners that day, but I say unto you which hear, love your enemies, do good to them which hate you, bless them that curse you, and pray for them which despitefully use you. The first thing that we think about when we hear that is, is that's hard to do. It is. It's hard to do in the flesh. But this is a commandment given to us by Jesus himself. This is not a suggestion. He says, love your enemies, do good to them which hate you, bless them, bless them, and pray for them which despitefully use you. Even the Apostle Paul also encouraged us to do the same. In Romans 12, verse 14, he said, bless them which persecute you, bless and curse not. Don't curse them, bless them. Ooh, that's even harder to do, especially today. When, when, we, when you know, we have such, uh, you know, this, this, this constant barrage of social media and, 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 and uh, you know, 24-7 news and we hear what's going on from all different sides and in, in, in some cases just so outlandish and in others just, you know, you don't get enough information about the, the truth of what's going on. And, you know, the first thing we want to do is curse and not bless. <laughs> but Jesus said, and so did and the Apostle Paul, bless and do not curse. And in both cases, and add to that Matthew 5.44, that's a same, similar to, to Luke. But uh, in, in, in all these cases, the word for bless is the Greek word eulogeo. Eulogeo. We get the English word ele, uh, uh, eulogy from. Eulogeo. But... A eulogy is normally given about a person that has passed away. In this particular case, it's not about people that pass away. It's about people that are alive. We are to bless them. It means to speak well of. It means to invoke a benediction upon or to praise someone. That's a full 
word there, isn't it? It's more than just a, 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 a casual vocal blessing. It does have similar meaning with the Hebrew words that we're about to learn that will instruct us in the full meaning of this numbers passage that we're studying today. The first word that we want to deal with is, is the word baraka. Baraka, because baraka is a, uh, it's used for blessing in, in the scripture. By, by implication, it means prosperity. In other words, you are blessing someone to have a fullness of something. Uh, in fact, you know, we are, we are to bless others. When, when, we, when we use the word shalom, you know, it's a blessing. And I'm, I'm getting ahead of myself because we're going to come back to the word shalom. But shalom means to, you know, that God's blessing would be complete in, in a person's life. I'll, I'll talk more about it later. But barakah is a word that's used for blessing. It, it, by implication, it means prosperity. But it means blessing. It means uh, to, be liberally in, uh, to be liberal in giving. It also is used for a pool. Do you know why? Because a pool needs to be filled. And usually you want a, a pool filled with water, as it were. Uh, and, and so it gives that indication that, that uh, barakah is something that is, is, is full to, to overflowing. But it also, and most importantly, means a, a present. Just like you got a couple of weeks ago. A present. Such as a gift. Barakah means a gift. A blessing is a gift. And then next, the word that is used in the Numbers text here, in Numbers chapter 6, for the word bless is the word barak. And literally this word means to kneel. Now think about that in the first phrase of our text in verse 24. The Lord bless you. The Lord kneels before you. To bless or the offering of a blessing is illustrated as God, the creator of all things seen and unseen, kneeling down to give a gift or a present. In other words, the almighty creator of the universe chooses to humble himself and offer us gifts. And many times based on the things that we have asked him for, the things that we need, the things he knows that we need, for example. How many of us can say that the Lord recently has blessed us with a job? Or he's blessed us with a house. Or he's blessed us with uh, a family. And, and, and other such wonderful things that we, we all pray for. This is what the Lord instructed Moses to give to Aaron and to his sons. A blessing to give to his people. A blessing to give to his people. The Lord bless thee and keep thee. The Lord make his face shine upon thee and be gracious unto thee. The Lord lift up his countenance upon thee and give thee peace. As I mentioned earlier, the blessing is made up of three stanzas, each beginning with the Lord. Now, I say that because the Lord is actually in English, it's also in Spanish, and other uh, uh, Western translations from the Hebrew, normally it always begins with, the Lord bless you. And each line begins, uh, in the Hebrew though, begins with the blessing. Yevarechecha Adonai. Yevarechecha is the blessing given by the Lord. So the Lord is put out in front in the Hebrew. Adonai. But in the English it says the Lord. And in all three stanzas, the Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face shine upon you. The Lord lift up his countenance. In the second part though of the stanza, as we've already touched upon, bless. The second part of the stanza, the first stanza, we find the word keep. The Lord bless you and keep thee. Keep thee. The word for keep is shamar. In the Hebrew, the yishme, the yishmerecha, the yishmerecha. So shamar is in there. 
in, in the form for, you know, grammatically in the, in the Hebrew. What it means is, it means to hedge about. It means uh, to guard and to protect and to garrison around you. And so it implies the Lord surrounding us with a hedge of protection simply because his people are precious to him. Well, that's a wonderful thing to know about God and his people, is that he protects his people. And then in the second stanza, it says, the Lord make his face shine upon thee. Now we're going to get a little deeper into the meaning of of this, this blessing, because for us to say the Lord make his face shine upon thee can, can best be understood actually by looking at the scriptures that show us the opposite of what this means. And it's important to see this because of, of, the, of the nature of, of the opposite of shining. In other words, when God hides his face. In Deuteronomy 31, verses 16 through 18, the Lord said unto Moses, Behold, thou shalt sleep with thy fathers. In other words, you're going, you're, you're going to die soon. And this people will rise up and go a-whoring after the gods of the strangers of the land. Whether they go to be among them and will forsake me and break my covenant which I have made with them. And then my anger shall be kindled against them in that day. And I will forsake them. And I will hide my face from them. Now now understand, uh, chronologically, this is after the blessing has been given in the book of Numbers. And And he says, I will hide my face from them. And they shall be devoured, and many evils and troubles shall befall them. So that they will say in that day, are not these evils come upon us because our God is not among us? And I will surely hide my face in that day for all the evils which they have wrought or produced. in that they are turned unto other gods. You see, we are quick to say God left us. But God is saying, I hid my face because you left me. The same applies in Micah 3 verse 4 where it says, Then shall they cry unto the Lord, but he will not hear them. He will even hide his face from them at that time as they have behaved themselves ill in their doings. He will not hear them. He will even hide his face. Now those of you that are parents understand this this scenario here. You understand that when your kids have misbehaved and you, you kind of hide your face from them, you know, the, 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 the blessings that you would give them if they were behaving and if they were doing what was right, right? And, 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 and then they're, 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 oh, please, 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 you know, you will not hear them. You listen to them. I mean, I mean, you hear them complaining, bah, 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 bah. But, but you don't listen to them. You know, God can hear us all the time. It's not that he goes deaf, but he doesn't respond. He hides his face, and in hiding his face, he hides his glory. And then the protection seems to be removed, and not just seems. Look at the children of Israel in their troubles and trials, their captivities in Assyria, Judah's captivity in Babylon, on and on and on. So we see then that the Lord would hide his face from his people when they would do evil. There would be a removal of protection and would not hear their cries. Consider what the Lord would have to tell his people in what I I believe is the classic passage of this very same thing. And that's Isaiah 54, uh, I'm sorry, Isaiah 59 verses 1 through 4. Isaiah 59 verses 1 through 4 says, Behold, the Lord's hand is not shortened that it cannot save. Neither his ear heavy that it cannot hear. This is the point I was making about hearing and listening. 
But your iniquities have separated between you and your God, and your sins have hid his face from you that he will not hear. For your hands are defiled with blood and your fingers with iniquity. Your lips have spoken lies. Your tongue have muttered perverseness. None call, calleth for justice, nor any pleadeth for truth. They trust in vanity and speak lies. They conceive mischief and bring forth iniquity. That sounds like the 21st century. That sounds like calling something immoral when standing for so many other things that are more immoral than can ever be possible. But it was the psalmist King David that actively sought the face of the Lord. He actually sought the face of the Lord. Now we all know David was a sinner. We all know that he committed great sin in his life. But there's one thing that we need to also know about David. He was truly committed to the Lord. In fact, so much so that the Bible honors him the scriptures honor David for never, for never, never, ever having bent his knee to an idol. Never. And it is because he knew that when he needed to, he had to seek the Lord. Do you remember the Deuteronomy passage? They're going to say, oh, the Lord has left us. Compare that, or if you will, contrast that with Psalm 27, verses 7 through 9. Where David says, hear, O Lord, when I cry with my voice. Have mercy also upon me and answer me. That's a bold statement, when I say bold, I mean courageous to say this to God. Answer me, Lord, with mercy. With your loving kindness, answer me, Lord. When thou saidst, seek ye my face. In other words, this was for all of his people. Seek my face. Turn from your wicked ways. David said, when thou sayest, seek ye my face, my heart said unto thee, thy face, Lord, will I seek. Hide not thy face far from me. Put not thy servant away in anger. You know what he's also saying in that? He's saying, you can do that if you want, because you're God, and I've sinned against you. Thou hast been my help. Leave me not, neither forsake me, O God, of my salvation. That was his confession. O God, of my salvation. That is our confession when we confess Jesus Christ as our Lord, as our Savior. You know, this passage brought up a question for me. What level of intimacy do we have with God? What level of intimacy do we have with God? Are, are, are we like those who, who really only pray when they go to church? Or maybe they, they do the three, you know, the, the, I pray three times a day, breakfast, lunch, and supper. But that's about it. Or when I'm in trouble, I pray. What is our intimacy with God like today? Only you and the Lord can deal with that right this very minute. And you can do it. 
as I'm doing it myself. Lord, where am I with you? I want to be even closer to you than I ever have. David obviously sought to have the glory of the God he served to shine forth upon him. That's what he was wanting. Lord, let your glory shine. Should not every child of the Lord have that same desire? Should we not all want the glory of our God to shine upon us? Think about the question. You see, when the Lord shines, what happens to us? Oh my goodness, we lighten with his presence, don't we? His presence shines upon us. It may not be a very visible thing. Right now I have all these lights on me. And they're just blinding me. But uh, don't turn them down. How much greater is the glory of God shining upon those who love him and serve him? In other words, we're surrounded and enveloped in his glory. The word for shine in the Hebrew is the word or, O-W-R, transliterated. It means to make luminous, to to make glorious, to kindle, to, to set on fire, to light and to shine. Oh, that the glory of God would not only enlighten us in our daily life, but set a fire in us with a passion for him in 2019. Listen, we just got into this year. Five days are past. It's okay. Day six, you can start your year. Start it now. Start it on fire for the Lord. And so the phrase, the Lord make his face shine upon thee, and then it's followed by, and be gracious unto thee, be gracious unto thee. The Hebrew word for gracious is Hanan. Hanan. Vikuneka in the, in the Hebrew. Vikuneka. In that word is the word Hanan, the, the, the root word. Hanan means to bend or stoop in kindness to an inferior. By the way, first of all, to bless is to kneel. God hasn't gotten up yet. Now he's bending and stooping with grace in kindness to an inferior. Now when I use the word inferior, I'm not saying somebody that is lesser than us. When you bow down to your children, when you bend down to a a young child, he's only inferior to you in the fact that he's younger than you, he's he's weaker than you, he, he, he needs you in every aspect of his life as he grows again remember the picture of a God who reaches down to his children he kneels to bless he he bends over and he stoops with kindness with uh, and the word Hanan means to favor to bestow to be merciful to have mercy upon to to have pity upon to, to pray or to make supplication, which, which reminds me so much of one of the things that Jesus Christ does for us today, which is he intercedes for us. Jesus is our great intercessor. Stooping to pray for you and for me. In his kindness and in his grace and in his favor. That's grace. Undeserved favor. In a word, the Lord is saying in this phrase that he is our comfort and our help in times that we need his favor and his mercy, which is pretty much all the time. I don't know about you, but with me, I need it all the time. And then the third stanza in verse 26. The Lord lift up his countenance upon thee and give thee peace. brings up a question. What does it mean to lift up the countenance? Well, let's look again at what the opposite of that would mean from Scripture. Take, for example, when when Cain, the brother of Abel, had brought an offering to the Lord and the offering was not accepted. 
Cain became angry and his countenance, we're told, fell. As a matter of fact, let me show it to you. Genesis 4 verse 5. But unto Cain and to his offering, he had not respect. God did not have respect to Cain's offering. And Cain was very wroth, which means he was very angry. And his countenance fell. His countenance fell. But the, what the Lord wants to do when it says that he lifts his countenance, the Lord lift up his countenance upon thee. What the Lord wants to do is smile on his people. He wants to smile, lift up the corners of our mouths. Up. Not fell, right? He wants to smile on his people and then give them his shalom, his peace. Jesus, in addressing his disciples before going to the cross, would tell them on the way to the Garden of Gethsemane. You all remember this in John 14, verses 25 through 27. He said to them, the, the eleven, he said, These things have I spoken unto you, being yet present with you. But the Comforter, which is the Holy Ghost, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, he shall teach you all things and bring all things to your remembrance, whatsoever I have said unto you. And notice verse 27. So now there's reference to the Holy Spirit. And then the next thing is, he says, Shalom, I leave with you. My shalom I give unto you. Not as the world giveth, give I unto you. Let not your heart be troubled, neither let it be afraid. The shalom of God, the shalom of Christ, is his Wholeness and completeness, his desire for us to be complete in him. This is what we, what we bless people with when we say to them, Shalom, may you be blessed to completeness with God. May, be you, may you be whole and complete in the mercies and the grace and the prosperity of God towards you. Today it is used as a greeting and, and as, a, as a departure uh, uh, word, you know. In other words, you can say to people, shalom, when you see them. And you're saying, bless you in God's uh, wholeness. And then when you leave them, you can say, shalom, may you continue to be blessed in God's wholeness. It's more than just peace, which is what you get at the end of a war or conflict. In fact, Paul, who at one time was Saul of Tarsus, a Hebrew of the Hebrews, he himself would say to us in prayer, as he wrote to the Colossians, there in the book of Colossians, that we would be complete in Christ. In effect, he's saying, may shalom be upon you. May the shalom of God, the completeness in Christ be upon you. So now, the passage in Numbers, as a whole, the three stanzas together, provides us with, with a picture of God, uh, in particular the third stanza. It provides us with a picture of God. Now, remember, he's down kneeling, he's bent down over to us to give us his comfort and, and his, his grace, as it were. But now the picture is of God holding up in his arms, and, re, and again, remember, he's already bent down to kneel in kindness before us. He's holding us up as a delighted father might hold up his young child in joy. Dads, you remember this, don't you? Those children today who are about over 250 pounds, you can't do this to them anymore. But there was a time when you could do that because they were really small and you could pick them up and you could hold them. And, and, and sometimes you go, wee, wee, you know, do that kind of thing. But you're holding them and you would look up with great, oh, with great pride. This is my son. 
and you had this joy in your heart. That's the picture. The Lord lift up his countenance towards you, upon you. Lifting up his face toward the child. It brings us a, a word in this blessing that we have yet to deal with. It's throughout the whole passage. It's the word, thee. Yes, these and thou's matter. You see, the King James translators realized there was a necessity to understand when the word you was used in Scripture to determine whether it was plural or singular. And the English of that time provided the way for us to understand that. The these and the thous were words that were used of someone speaking to some other person singularly. That's why this is so significant here. God is, is saying, I want you to bless my people, but he also wants his people to understand that God cares for each and every individual. Because a father will lift up one child with joy. The ye and the you that you find in the King James Version of the Bible is important because it is signifying that God is speaking to more than one person. He's speaking to two or more people. When he spoke to his disciples. Let not your heart be troubled. You believe in God. You believe in God. You believe, believe also in me. He spoke to them all. It's so important for us to understand that. What it's telling us is the Lord wants to bless each and every one of us individually and not so much just as a collective group. Though that's important to God too. Now this is another reason, by the way, and I, I didn't mention this earlier, but when, when the blessing was given by the priests, the people would bow their heads. As soon as the hands of the priests would go up, Oh, by the way, this is the way it looked. The hands of the priests would go up and the people would bow their heads. And there was a reason for that. Because the blessing, and they would hear it, the Lord bless thee, me. Oh, and by the way, live long and prosper. Leonard Nimoy, who was Mr. Spock in the early Star Trek series, was brought up in a Jewish home and remembered well his Jewish upbringing that every time the rabbi would close the services at the synagogue, he would always do that. By the way, this, together like this, represented the shin, the letter shin. It looks like a W to us. But the letter shin represented a name of God, the name Shaddai, which means the Almighty God. It was the Almighty God that was stooping down to bless his people individually. And Leonard Nimoy remembered that, that when the role, when he had the role, and, and, and it was early on in, in, the, uh, in the series that they said, you know, they, you need to have some kind of a, of a thing, you know, to, to, you know, like a Vulcan thing, you know, the people with the, the, the pointy ears, you know, that, that uh, would be distinct from, you know, just a regular high greeting or whatever. And the first thing he th said was, I remember this, live long and prosper. But that's, that's, that's where that came from, as a matter of fact. His, his remembrance of, of that blessing. 
Well, there's some uh, messianic implications. I'm going to try to do this very quickly because we still got to get to choir practice. So the, mess- the messianic implications in the blessing here is, is that we see more and more Jewish people today returning to the land of Israel and many seeking their Messiah whom they rejected. Uh, and there is coming a, a time that they will actively seek his face as David sought the Lord's face. Uh, we'll talk more about that next week. Uh, one day they will know the God of their salvation just as David himself said that he would know the God of his salvation when he would seek the face of his God. And they would know, based upon a verse of scripture in the book of Zechariah, that they will see him whom they pierced. When Jesus descends from heaven in preparation of restoring his kingdom in the city of Jerusalem on Mount Zion, in the new temple that he is going to build. One day they will know the God of salvation and they will know his name. Yeshua. Yeshua, that means God is salvation. Those of you who remember our our study in the book of Hosea just recently, in Hosea chapters 5 and 6, the last part of 5 and going on into verse 6, there's something of great importance for us to remember. It says in verse 14, and and this is one of those uh, um, uh, prophetic aspects of of the book of Hosea that is saying, you know, one day you're going to come back to the Lord. But he says, for I will be unto Ephraim as a lion, that's the northern kingdom of Israel, for I will be unto Ephraim as a lion, as a young lion to the house of Judah. I, even I, will tear and go away. I will take away and none shall rescue him. I will go and return to my place till they acknowledge their offense. You know, in other words, they're in captivity, but one day they will acknowledge their offense and seek my face. Notice, they will seek my face in their affliction. They will seek me early. Now notice this in verses 1 through 3 of Hosea 6, just reading on. Come and let us return unto the Lord, for he has torn and he will heal us. What God wants to do is to heal, to comfort, and to make right in every heart of his people. He will heal us. He has smitten, yes. He has put them through their captivity, through their punishment, and he will bind us up. He will heal them. After two days he will revive us, and the third day he will raise us up. Understand this that the two days represents 2,000 years. From the time that Israel was scattered to 1948, roughly, but nonetheless, 2,000 years before the children are back in the land of Israel. And even more now, 70 years later, all that's left is the third day. In the third day, he will raise us up. And we shall live in his sight. Then shall we know if we follow on to know the Lord. His going forth is prepared as the morning. And he shall come unto us as the rain. As the latter and the former rain unto the earth. That's what Jesus is going to do. That's the importance of this blessing. That we understand that if we fall. We need to seek his face. And not say well. God has turned his his back on me. That's what the devil wants you to understand. Or at least that's what the devil wants you to know. But that's, that's a lie. The truth is that if you, if you falter and you fail because you are indeed human, you can still yet turn, as David did, and say, Lord, answer me. I'm crying out to you. Have mercy upon me, God. Lord, I seek your face. You said, seek my face, and that's what I'm doing. Seeking your face. Yeshua will return to heal his people. I've mentioned before that that to the Jewish people, by the way, in their scriptures, numbers mean everything, right? Numbers to the Jew means everything. Well, in Hebrew, each stanza, as we've studied, has a pattern. I I mentioned it earlier. The first stanza has three words, and by the way, 15 letters in the Hebrew. The second stanza has five words and 20 letters. Look at the patterns here. Interesting. The third has seven words and 25 letters. The number three, by the way, it speaks of the wholeness of God. The number five uh, points to the, uh, uh, the grace of, of God in Christ. The Lord make his face shine upon thee. Who has a face that could be seen? Jesus. The seven numbers, or, or I should say the seven words in the, in the third stanza, 
Seven, the number of completion. Wow. The third has seven words and 25 letters. Three, 15. Four, uh, I'm sorry, five, 20. Seven, 25. Add them up. Together the phrase has 15 words with 60 letters. 15 words with 60 letters. I did the math, so, you know. But you can check me out if you want. In the Hebrew alphabet, the letters also represent numbers. So the 15th letter of the alphabet is the letter Samech. And yes, you have to say that at the end. Samech. The 15th letter is Samech, which has the numeric value of 60. Interesting. Because the word Samech, the word itself, Samech, literally means to lean on as for support. To lean on as for support. Now there's a verse of scripture that many of you are familiar with. Isaiah 26 verse 3. Thou will keep him in perfect peace. Whose mind is stayed. You know what the word there in the Hebrew is? Samech. Thou will keep him in perfect peace whose mind is Samech, whose mind is stayed uh, on thee. The mind of the, of the believer is leaning for comfort and support upon God because he trusteth in thee. God is our support. As a matter of fact, when you look at the, at the letter Samech, uh, it's, it's done in a way that shows a kind of a support to a part of the letter. God is our support and he wants us to lean on him. He wants us to lean on him every day. The, the, the very nature of this particular blessing is to say, lean on me. Jesus said, come unto me, all ye that labor and are heavy laden, I'll give you rest. He's our samech. He's our samech. He's our support. He's our comfort. You know that on the day that Jesus ascended into heaven, he gave this very blessing to his disciples. And you might ask, how, how do you know? Jesus gave this blessing to his disciples. And this is how we know. Look at Luke 24. Luke 24, verse 50. And he led them out as far as to Bethany. And he lifted up his hands and he blessed them. They, people reading this understood that. You lift your hands to bless. And Jesus lifted his hands and he blessed them. And it came to pass while he blessed them. He was parted from them, carried up into heaven. And they worshipped him and returned to Jerusalem with great joy and, and were continually in the temple praising and blessing God. Amen. The disciples saw Jesus' nail-scarred hands raised as the Kohanim would raise their hands declaring Shaddai's blessing. At that very moment when they saw the hands go up, they did what every good Jewish person did. They lowered their head and their eyes. They didn't necessarily close their eyes because when they would lower their heads, they were to consider the blessing to themselves. But as they lowered their heads, what did they then see? With their heads bowed, they would have then notice the nail-scarred feet rising into heaven. Because it says in the text that while he blessed them, he was parted from them. El Shaddai. They came to know the reason for their great joy and their worship of Jesus was the very fact that they came to realize this was El Shaddai. This was the mighty God, the everlasting Father, the Prince of Peace, the Prince of Shalom, the great High Priest, our Kohen, our Comfort, our Samech, our help, our all and all.
And let's not forget that there was a result of that priestly blessing. Going back to number 6, look at verse 27. There was a result. It says, and they put, they shall put my name. The priests were to put God's name upon the children of Israel. And I will bless them. Well, I want you to look at Revelation 3 verse 12. And a statement that Jesus gives to the church in Philadelphia. The last day's church, as it were, of true believers in Jesus Christ. In verse 12 it says, Him that overcometh will I make a pillar in the temple of my God, and he shall go no more out. And I will write upon him the name of my God, and the name of the city of my God, which is the new Jerusalem, which cometh down out of heaven from my God. And I will write upon him my new name. That's Jesus. We have a name placed upon us. It is the name of the God of the universe who lowered himself to bless us. Who lowered himself and bent and stooped to give us his grace and his favor. Who lifted up his head as he held us up and smiled upon us. He lowered himself to give us a gift. And what greater gift have we received from our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ than what Paul mentions in Romans 6.23 when he says, For the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord because Jesus came to this earth and he knelt down in humility taking upon himself flesh and he shined in his earthly ministry until he went to the cross and on the cross he stooped down to give us his favor into the tomb and three days later rose from the dead. I pray that this blessing means more to you now than it ever has. Yevarechecha Adonai Beyishmerecha. Yaer Adonai Panavelecha Vikuneka. Yisa Adonai Panavelecha Vyasem Lecha Shalom. I think it would be good as we receive the bread and the cup this morning that we sing that blessing as a blessing to one another because it's a blessing from God to his people and by the way we are a priesthood now a priesthood in Christ Jesus he's made us kings and priests it humbles us it doesn't make us get wiser or smarter or more humbles us but we can bless one another in that